afternoon and uh, welcome to another Friday lunchtime Q&A. Uh, my name's Nick Samios. I'm the Managing Director and Fund Manager here at Hermes Capital. Um, we've got uh, a great uh, lineup of panelists today. I think we've got a mixture of people from a number of uh, different, uh, different professions and uh, um, I think it will give some good perspective and different angles on what's going on uh, in, in the world of commerce today. Um, I'm going to start off by introducing Anthony Igra. G'day, Anthony. How are you going? Yeah, good, Nick. Very well. Thanks. Fantastic. Uh, Anthony, Anthony's um, got a, a business called uh, Contractors Debt Recovery, um, and he's the principal of that business. Uh, he's got a, a, a background in, uh, in in mercantile collections, but these days, and when I say these days, I think for the last 10, 15 years, he's been specialising in uh, in collections for the subcontractors in the construction sector, uh, specialising in the security of payments. Uh, you may uh, recognise him from uh, Koshy's Business Builders, and he's been on uh, Current Affair once or twice. Have I left anything out, Anthony? Uh just a few things we wouldn't have to mention, but a lot of work with trade associations. It's more under the radar, I suppose. But yeah, that's about the extent of my fame so far, Nick. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I know that you do a lot in New South Wales. Do you go outside of New South Wales? Or? Oh, yeah, Australia, all of Australia. Yeah. All of Australia. We started that in uh, about eight years ago when the legislation moved into other states. We started recoveries everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and the, the legislation's changed a little bit. I don't want to get too bogged down in all of that. Those the states have introduced it. So what's uh, what's been keeping you busy this week? Um, actually, uh, it's been a it's been claimarama uh, this week, uh, Nick. Um, every the state of uncertainty has been uh, in a perverse way very good for me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, well, I think we've prepared God about twenty claims in one week. Um, uh, under the Act, all this stuff rushing in, wow. and uh, the other two things have been quite busy. Uh, two rather big settlements finally, finally got there about um, four four hundred thousand, and another for two hundred thousand that uh, finally landed in subcontractors' accounts this week. So wow. that's been very very gratifying. One guy had two hundred bucks left in his account. That was it. That was his whole wow. life. So. Uh, very and satisfying. He, so they were ones that were sort of uh, in in process before BC, as yeah. you say, before Corona. Um, but you, you a lot of a lot of new claims. You're saying. Yes. Yeah. The current environment. Everyone. Uh, I, I think if anyone in the construction industry, they tend not to make too much of a fuss about their money until they're at, utterly broke. Yeah. Uh, and so what's changed is they're getting far more proactive about chasing money earlier. So I think that really explains the sudden interest in yeah. uh, getting paid for your work. Uh, you should be yeah. interested in that all the time, but for some reason, not not soon enough in that in, in the construction industry, but that's really been the big change in the last month easily. Um, I think it's, I've been saying, you know, since we started doing these, that, you know, people are getting bailed out by the government, they're getting bailed out by the banks. Uh, no one should be turning to a small business to get bailed out. Like particularly, they shouldn't be looking to their subbies to bail them out. Um, so you, you, obviously you're seeing a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, well, the, the old adage of, um, of um, developers uh, using, using their builders to finance their project or builders using subbies to finance their, their job is a, is a very old one. I don't think that's really changed enough. That seems to be the case all the time. There's never enough cash flow coming in the top end and you've got 
companies trying to build a $10 million building for $8 million. It's, the, right. it's just been a constant. I can't say anything's particularly new, but it's certainly focused people's minds, that's for sure. Yeah, I think another interesting thing about uh, what you do, and you, you were mentioning before about subbies leaving things to the last minute uh, before they get stroppy, and we'd be interested maybe later on, we'll ask Adam as a communications expert about this, um, but I know that if you're a, a little a little subby and you're doing work for a big company, you're always worried about if you make too much noise, you might get struck off the tender list for next time around. Yeah, I have to say that's that's um, that's a, just a rumor. That doesn't really. Okay. There, I mean, people think there's this big black doomsday book in the industry, and they'll write right. your name in it. You never work right. again. That's right. that's nonsense. Most of the people in the industry are just so focused on their work, they don't do any external research. I say go where you're going to get paid. Yeah. If, some, if, if someone's not paying you and you feel like you have to cause some trouble, you're probably working for the wrong for the wrong person. But I think the biggest killer for subcontractors is just letting the amount they haven't been paid run away from them. They just end up with these ridiculous sums of money rather than tackling it early. That's their biggest killer. All right, well, you've given me some... Uh, I've got Claimorama is word of the day so far. And you go <laughs> where you are going to get paid. I, I like that. All right, well, with that, we'll, uh, I'll introduce uh, Angela Haynes. G'day, Angela. Hello, Nick. How are you? Very well, indeed. So a Angela is, uh, is a director at uh, KPMG out at, uh, with, with the Greater Western Sydney office. Um, her focus is critical business planning, restructuring options and, and turnaround techniques. Um, I mean, if you sort of scroll through uh, Angela's uh, LinkedIn profile, she's been uh, a lot of experience uh, as, a, as an NED and on various advisory boards. And uh, I think you more or less started life as a CFO of a, of a regional size transport company as well. So uh, I guess you've been on all sides of the fence. Yep. Thank you, Nick. That's <laughs> that's correct. Jack of all trades sometimes. Yeah, no worries. And what's uh, what's what's been keeping you busy this week? Well, I'm finding that um, our clients are, it feels like our clients are moving past the uh, cost, they've, they've addressed a lot of their cost-based issues, they, they've jumped onto that and now it's about looking at innovative revenue options, so not necessarily restructure the whole business, but where can I find cash that I've never found before? Things like sponsorship proposals, grants, things the company has never actually thought of before is now becoming actually a real source of cash flow. Right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I know when I was talking a bit earlier to Adam, and I'm sure we'll come to it. There's uh, there's this word of pivot. Uh, you know, people pivoting from from uh, one thing to another, maybe looking at what resources they've got and looking for new revenue streams. And what what sort of uh, what what do you find yourself? What's the most common question you get asked uh, lately? Um. I've got so much com information coming out to me. How can I even prioritise sorting out my issues? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and uh, so, so setting priorities, and you're saying that they're moving beyond cost base now. People have got their costs worked out. So, what what sort of uh, the next priorities above that? Yeah, so so I think that there might be a little um, less glamour around JobKeeper at the moment. Right. Yeah. In which case, people are sort of, you know, they, they were sitting in a bit of a JobKeeper bubble. Like it'll be fine. There'll be there'll be um, a bit of relief there. But I, I think in reality, it's not. Um, you know, if you're qualifying for the relief, that's one thing. But 
there's a whole cash flow hump that you're going to have to fund before you potentially get that relief. So there's yeah. really a matter of looking under the rocks and, um, you know, in the holes, where where can I find this cash just to get through this this sort of next 13-week period? Um, yeah, I know that, uh, I mean, in your role, I know that you would have a lot of, uh, a little bit of to and fro anyway with, uh, with some senior bankers. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing that... Uh, you know, and I don't know if you can sort of confirm or deny this, that while everyone's talking about six-month freezes, that the banks are really scenario planning up to nine months? Uh, we've got to, you know, when you start hearing, um, what did ScoMo talk about it this week? We're going to be hit by a truck. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're not going to ease out of this. Um, anyone that's planning anything under nine months, if not 12 months, uh, you yeah. know, it would be crazy. So, you know, th yes, there's definitely, I, I feel like there's a bit of, um, we've got the, the benefit of time. So um, that critical, critical next sort of three months, there's a little, there's a, there's a passage of time there. So actually you can really think about the other side. And so you should too. I mean, it isn't yeah. all just about deferring. So. Well, look, I'll, I'll introduce Adam next, but I would be interested to come back to, to the whole concept of scenario planning and, and what scenarios you plan for. So maybe hold that one in the in the back of your mind and I'll uh, I'll bring on uh, Adam Benson. G'day, Adam, how are you going? Yeah, good, Nick. Thanks. Um, so Adam's uh, Managing Director of Recognition PR, Right-of-Way Communications and Outsource. Um, so there's there's PR as well as uh, as marketing, I guess, outsource, as the name says. And Adam, you've, uh, I guess, you've been in the industry for, forever, but um, you've, uh, you, you more or less took, took control of that business about 12 years ago and I know that, that we've done some work together. Um, what, what, uh, what's been keeping you busy this week? Obviously you'd be surrounded in, uh, in all sorts of marketing communications. Actually, I love one of the things that, that it says here, your communication strategy for complex matters. So uh, I reckon that this virus would be sort of complex enough for you. Yeah, it's most of our organisations that we work with tend to sell quite high value complex products and services. So for the most part, um, we're not dealing with, you know, SMB or micro businesses. We're dealing with professional consultancies. We're dealing with, you know, quite um, large scale IT organisations that are local or international, those sorts of businesses, some large building and construction firms as well. Um, so main thing right now, they're talking to us about how do we communicate properly with our teams you know the information is flooding in the external story that they're getting from their own media sources may not line up with what they're hearing from their own company so um you know for the first time certain organizations need to learn to communicate well to keep their people focused to keep their customers engaged to steady the ship and and still have a very honest and frank uh view of the world that's not you know just blowing smoke um yeah a lot of our organisations we're working with, us included, are sort of identifying where the surge might happen in terms of the opportunity to reach new markets or sell new products or services. So as Angela said, um, not necessarily a pivot, but probably doing what they should have been doing all along, which is investing in new products and services, thinking about how to be more nimble, more agile. Everyone's talked a good talk up until now, but there's nothing like a market reality to say, well, what does that actually look like? Um, so. You know, we're doing that as much as anyone else at the moment. But um, <clears throat> that's probably the kind of advice we're getting, or the kind of questions we're getting is, you know, how do we react as our customer base moves out of this sort of triage and survival mode into 
um, stabilization in business as usual as much as is possible. So how do we get our customer service back up? How do we get our products delivered properly? And then how do we think about innovation? How do we think about acceleration? And then how do we think about optimization after that so that our newly fashioned business is sort of sustainable? Um, and so we've got to have communications messages that fit with each of that and, and help companies market that new positioning. And you were saying that, uh, I guess, you know, your expertise in, in communications is being called upon not just for out, out like external, to, to external stakeholders, but also uh, with, with employees as well. Yeah, very much so. And I think, um, you know, what's interesting is I've heard it said a few times, you know, three days is a week at the moment. Um, yeah. There is just so much new information, the National Cabinet briefings, there's rumour and innuendo there's you know there's good information there's conflicting information and you know and with social media and people being sitting at home consuming everything you know they're they're armchair experts and um you know i've heard it said from many organizations we're working with you know staff think that our business is cashed up staff think that this is um going to somehow keep the business afloat the staff think that you know so there's a lot of look just communicating effectively about this is the reality of what we're dealing with, this is how this is going to help us or not help us, this is what we all need to do to work together to come up with some new ideas, find new customers, rethink our whole go-to-market. Um, and as I said, when it's business as usual, that kind of conversation between, you know, very frank and honest conversation between management and team doesn't always happen that well. Um, and, and there's this sort of truism at the moment which is you know most employees know they can't go somewhere else so management is still learning that they can be quite honest and pretty frank because it's not like everyone's going to go well that's a bit rough I think I'll go find another job um, you know so we're having some very mature grown-up conversations inside of companies at the moment which might not have happened previously either you know that's interesting I, I you know I, I joke with a lot of people I think if I see you know, those ads on TV, we're, we're all in this together, all that, you know, mishy, like, feel-good stuff. It drives you bananas. I mean, you just want to know what's really going on and have honest messages. I think that's that's interesting. Angela, are you seeing, uh, you know, internal communications as an issue with the companies that you're working with? Oh, I think um, I think there's there's the two levels, really. There's the, the companies that just don't know what to say, so say nothing and that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, and then you get sort of the over-communicators <laughs> that, um, you know, th there's got to be a, a balance between how much you share because there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. You don't want to make false promises and, you know, promise the world or, or promise the disaster. So it, yeah. there's a real challenge in finding what is what is the right messaging. And, and that messaging seems to change depending on which stakeholder group you're talking to as well. So. You know, there's employees, there'll be different tiers of employees. Um, you know, you've got to remember the employees then go on and have conversations with your customers. So exactly. it's a real, it, it can exactly. be a minefield. Yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's a real issue controlling the message, isn't it? Because you can, you know, you can control the message that you give your employees, but you don't know uh, exactly how that's going to get relayed, uh, relayed going forward. And I suppose, again, in, in particularly in the restructuring space, I mean, one of the first things that, you often get asked to do, I suppose, is to is to help address the employees uh, to put their mind at ease and what have you. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, and look, fortunately, fortunately, we're not um, we're not seeing the corporate collapses that that might have been anticipated. So, um, there's actually a lot of control management still have in messaging and um, the time to be able to frame up that message and get the right information to inform that message. So, really, it, there isn't a need to be a bull at a gate with it. it there's a, yeah. a time to be measured and informed. Um, yeah. You know, we we. Companies aren't rushing into administration, so you know we're not having to think on our feet in the main, um, yeah. and the directors can craft that message, or the, or the managers can craft that message properly. And Anthony, uh, I guess there's there is a theme of uh, misinformation, and uh, you know, do, uh, do you do you find that uh, subcontractors you're dealing with are, are finding the same thing that they're getting rumours, and I guess rumours about some of the companies that they're dealing with as well. Uh, no, the only rumours that they really kind of listen to is rumours of companies going insolvent, going broke or being sold. The construction industry luckily has just continued to go on. So it's kind of been, it's been business as usual, um, except for those that might have suppliers that might have a supply issue. But luckily, it's actually hasn't reared its head um, too much. Although yeah. you do get the odd phrase of, well, depending on what happens in two months time or a month's time but other than that um that's it's been pretty much business as usual unfortunately it's uh it, it's a group of um it's a group within the construction industry that doesn't spend too much time uh reading media that they don't have to so right. they're probably less le less um um uh, exposed to a whole bunch of messages that everyone else would probably be exposed to well, I must say, a while ago, I decided to stop watching the news, and you know, your world doesn't change that much um, if you focus on uh, on your own little world. Uh, there's there's a lot to be said about that, I think, as well. Well, I think, and Adam may have something to say about it, but I, I I'm quite an optimistic person, sadly, and um, the, the 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 thing is that the media that's messaging all this stuff about the virus and other things in the economy, remember that the variable is that there is a fight for eyeballs and there's a fight for attention. To get yeah. eyeballs and to get attention, you scare yeah. people and you tell them why they need to be afraid or what they're going to lose. And that gets yeah. people's attention. And that yeah. unfortunately infects the veracity of the message and what is really going on because there's this cloak over it about why you need to be scared. I don't yeah. think things are really that bad. Maybe I'm wrong. Look, oh, do you know what? It's interesting you say that about eyeballs. I mean, I, I, I'm one of the messages I'm trying to get across uh, with the eyeballs that, that hopefully are watching us now and later on, is I'm trying to be positive. I mean, it's very easy to find lots of negatives. Um, but, you know, we will all survive this. You know, there will be opportunities and business will go on and whether, you know, there'll be a long recovery period, but there's plenty to keep us busy and, and to stay optimistic about. Um, I know, Adam, I, I remember, Adam, a long time ago, I think it was maybe when, the, when there was some disaster years ago and I spoke to you about one of my clients in the security business taking advantage of it and you, you, you may not remember this but you said no no that's a negative image it, it, it's it was playing on the negative rather than than the positive uh, I mean how do you how do you what, what do you see in that yeah look I've had actually I've had that conversation with a few organizations that specialize in IT security you know remote working technologies you know and they're saying how do we balance between early on I think um, you know, they were concerned that they might be seen to be ambulance chasing or taking advantage yeah. or profiteering or somehow getting an unfair advantage and, and drawing unwanted attention to themselves. And um, 
and you know we were very quick to point out that no this is just reacting to a market dynamic and it is yeah. a you know pan you know it's a global issue it's not drawing on the misfortunes of a single organization or person or country this is just a new market reality and um yes you you don't make promises you can't keep yes you don't yeah. draw on individual miseries that might be coming from this but you absolutely um take advantage of a new market opportunity and and very shortly after that was no longer a conversation it was just companies are so hardwired particularly in australia and so they should be not to be seen to you know kick a competitor publicly to um you know make make money from someone else's misery and and that's not the case here so um you know if you said oh we can stop you know your grandparents from dying with this particular solution that's that's something I don't want to be part of. But um, yeah, but yeah, talking yeah. about how your products help the economy, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it is interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I know that in our business, you know, obviously it's, it's balancing letting people know that you're here. And obviously, you know, you, uh, I mean, we certainly want to see the economy doing well. I mean, I've always said that, you know, the more, the best thing for us is a steep growth curve, you know, so, um, you know, and that's been the advice to our biggest our biggest multinationals. Yeah, our biggest multinationals, we've said to them, look, you need to demonstrate the lights are on, there's a yeah. pulse, and you've got plans for the future. Of all the things that can help everybody just take a breath and slow down, yeah. is seeing, and probably to Anthony's point, to Angela's point, um, you know, that, that they're not all tipping off a cliff with everyone else, um, that they've actually, you know, they're still in business and there's still a demand for their products and services, and, and they need to not go dark on the communication side and, and keep talking externally about that yeah yeah um okay all right well look uh with that we will move to the headlines uh well various uh, interesting stories that uh that i've found um now this is one again uh so job this is out of today's paper job keeper rules uh may be used to coerce employees um, Angela, I know that obviously being within an accounting firm, I guess you'd, you'd be a little bit more across what the rules actually are. Um, are you seeing any abuse of the rules at all? Well, there's a there's a big hunt for facts around the rules, around the eligibility, around the uh, the timing of the cash flows. Um, I'm at the moment. Yeah. I think the forms have gone out, so employees have to fill out a form now to nominate, and the, the systems are getting put in around the STP and how it will get reported. But um, you know, there's still uncertainty around what period um, of downturn can you measure against. Um, there's questions around: Do you have to pay uh, someone that's under the fifteen hundred a fortnight? Do you have to pay them fifteen hundred dollars right. to qualify? Do you have to pay it first? So there's a lot of um, there's still enough uncertainty there that it's a, still a bit of a taking stock. The uh, pressure is though that some of the ATO information is coming out with with deadlines that are, are April deadlines for information and for reporting. Oh. So there's there's a real, um, as a business owner, there's a sense of panic around how quickly can I understand this? And remember, this isn't my core business. This is just my yeah. cash flow forecasting. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm still involved in our transport company. And, um, I mean, you know, my husband's a great operator, but, you know, at, at night we still have dinner table conversations around the finance function and, and I could even see his face, um, you know, being concerned with how do you get over this this completely new, um, new new um, 
relief package that that was promised as something that's really fantastic, but actually it's not perhaps known whether it really is going to play like that for um, for the businesses that really do need it? Well, it is only meant to be a job keeper, isn't it? I mean, I often say when I heard the word job keeper, I thought it was one of the swords out of Game of Thrones, but, uh, but that's, that's, that's uh, another story. Anthony, what about uh, in the construction sector with the subbies that you speak to? Are they... Are they uh, getting their heads around this JobKeeper or are you seeing it uh, used as a... What, what this article was saying is that um, uh, uh, employers are picking and choosing between employees which ones to keep and which ones not to keep, although, you know, the intent of it apparently was that you keep everybody. Keep everyone. Well, Look, I can't say I've heard um, a word about it, but the first question that came into my mind was what happens with all the apprentices? Yeah. They're always the first to go when times are tough. Uh, would you know? And they need it the most. They they're a year away from qualifying, or they're so close, or they're thrown to the wind. You know, there's a lot in the media about uh, people, you know, younger people in retail and hospitality, of course. But uh, yeah. apprentices in many industries, in many trades, what happens to them under all this? I don't know. I I can't put myself in the feet of a subcontracting business or any construction mm-hmm. business and say, would I would I keep my apprentice on at these? At these well, what rates, what's what is it? What's an apprentice own? I'm, I'm actually not sure. It's actually pretty good. Um, I yeah. mean, you can find a lot of them on uh, 80, 90 grand a year, uh, yeah. especially plumbers and so on. But, yeah. but um, they would probably want to stay because they do need the practical experience as part of their yeah. um, apprenticeship, from my understanding. Yeah. But um, you're, you're looking at a potential talent drain. If, if they can't apprentice with a company, they're still a ways away from being able to work for themselves as a sole trader. So what do they do? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, even, you know, 70 or 80 grand, I mean, the government's actually picking up half the tab, so it's a big decision to, to let them go of that. All right, well, we'll move on to the next... Well, actually, what I did want to say to, 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 to Adam, actually, was that, yeah, I mean, that, that would not be news that you'd want to get out into the marketplace that you've been coercing your employees with this sort of stuff. That, that to me, would be a, a communications challenge. Yeah, it hasn't come up, to be honest. Um, I think most professional services firms, most information workers, most, um, I guess, more complex multinationals that we deal with, you know, they do actually value their teams. They value their people. They value the talent. They spend a lot of time and money and effort getting those people on board and, and, you know, working very hard to retain them and train them and keep them on career paths. So, um, So unless you're incredibly... Um, inauthentic, disingenuous kind of companies that have probably got other cultural issues. Um, it hasn't actually come up, to be honest. Um, bit, oh, bit oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got another one here. So this is, and I don't want to get into the, this actual details of this company in particular, um, but it's talking about uh, people using the, the impact of COVID as, a, as leverage. You know, I can't pay you because of this or, you know, the terms of our contracts now need to change or, you know, the, there was a deal but there's no deal now. Um, are, are we seeing, Angela, are you seeing any of this stuff uh, being exploited at all, being people using it as an excuse perhaps? I, I don't think uh, any people are there yet at taking it as far as leveraging. I think people yeah. are, are in the main, certainly the, the clients I'm coming across, are genuinely approaching these matters, you know, feeling genuine pain 
and genuine yeah. uncertainty. So I, I don't yeah. think yet there's a, a, a that sort of level of leveraging or distrust. You know, I have to say, I have heard customers say to me that, uh, you know, that uh, such and such a large company has uh, is not going to pay them this week because of COVID. And, I, and I've said, look, that's a load of nonsense. If, you know, you're a small business, they're a big business, uh, they've got to get on with it. Um, all right, well, let's, let's um, talk a little bit about the pressure to open the doors again. Uh, you know, retailers are obviously pushing, uh, pushing hard um, and... I guess I'll go. So it's time retailers push to do open doors. And then all of these little headlines actually come from today's paper, believe it or not. Uh, um, uh, we've got the, the, the Prime Minister saying this is going to go for another four weeks. I noticed that my little red circles don't quite work on this slide, but uh, he was saying, look, we've got at least another four weeks. And me being an optimist, I think, oh, that means it's all over in four weeks. Uh, but then he's saying social distancing could last a year. I don't know, you know, maybe we, there's certain aspects of it. You can see down the bottom there, I mean, definitely the new cases, are, uh, are, are, you know, we seem to be on the tail end of the bell curve there. And we've got the, um, you know, Wall Street and the ASX uh, jumping because there's a lot of talk now of, uh, of the exit, you know, exiting the lockdown in, in the U.S., um, what what uh, I just go around. I mean, what what do you think about this sort of talk, Adam? What's your view? Um, I think there's obviously different groups with different views, and on the retail side, you know they're you know hurting badly, hemorrhaging a lot, in a lot of pain, and you can understand, I guess, the economic rational uh, argument. They also, from a reputation point of view, need to be very careful that they are then seen as to be responsible for a second wave of COVID you know, breaking out in the community or forcing workers into unsafe work environments or drawing customers together in great crowds and be seen to be, um, you know, undoing all the good work that all of us have had to put in essentially and sacrificed personally. So, you know, they've got to be careful that they're not too strident in that and that they, um, on the, you know, equally are seen to support the government in a, in a fairly bipartisan way and, you know, that they are sensible and calm in their thinking because I don't think it's going to do them any good to, you know, be banging on about how we should throw the borders open and throw the throw the front doors open and let everyone come in on the 1st of May or the 1st of June because I just don't think that's a good look. Yeah, I mean, I must admit that uh, on one hand, you know, I'm all for uh, getting back to work as quickly as possible, but on the other hand, I don't want to be responsible for for the death of one of my customers or staff either. So there, there, is, that, there is that balancing. I guess, uh, Anthony, you know, when we're over here, I'm going to go across the road to the cafe to pick up my hamburger. Uh, I'll be surrounded by tradies either having a smoke on the way. The tradies don't seem to be bothered by this at all. No. No, not at all. Yeah. It's, it's Because they're out in the open or they just don't care? I, I think they just don't care. Um, look, I think they. I don't think they care when they're at work, and they're, yes, they're out in the open, and um, it's just it. Uh, uh, dare, dare I say it, it would just seem a little precious. I think it's very countercultural for them to go. Oh, keep one and a half meters away from me. Don't. Tell, oh, I'm yeah. going to wash my hands. It's just not life in construction or on a construction yeah. site. Yeah. Uh, although sites are being uh, run that way, but I don't think I'm. I'm not hearing anyone um, um, too fussed about it. In general, looking at these headlines, as much as you don't want uh, messaging to stream or depart too far, what 
what the government policy is, uh, I do think there is room to acknowledge that there's some good news. I mean, there is some good news. Every time there's some good news, the voices say, no, no, it's still really, really, really bad. It's yeah. good, but it's really bad. Um, you know, we're going to come out of it. I think at some point you've got to acknowledge that we're making progress. You know? Well, look, my local IGA here in Redfern is chock a block with toilet paper and hand sanitizer. So to me, that's a good sign. Andrew, um, I, I, I wonder if, in a, in a sort of a, a tough guy smackdown, uh, subcontractor versus truck driver. Um, so I, I, um, I, I'd say that you've been around uh, a few of these sorts of people. I mean, what's your view on, on all this? So I, I think about what's happening in the backstory here. So what we have shown is in a really positive sense, we can contain the virus, we can function, we can digitise faster than ever. Um, so so we, we've got quite a fundamental resilience in the economy as it stands. But what's happening in the background is the government's peddling really hard to build up our ventilator capacity, our PPE capacity to actually, um, you know, at the moment, the way it's contained, the virus is, is not going to um, impact our, you know, we'll, our medical system will be able to support the virus at this current contained level. But yeah. we do need to open the doors and we do need an economy that does, albeit it might be a, a slower uh, rebuild, but it needs to open. But the government will know that when it opens, we're going to have increased cases. And we just need to know that those cases stay below our ventilator and our PPE capacity. So, yeah. so we're really actually pedalling very fast at the moment behind the scenes to, to get all of that, um, you know, double that capacity, triple that capacity. So we can, because the better equipped we are, the easier it's going to be for the government to let the virus run so, you know, there will be periods where it has to be sustained again. I, I would say it's a bit of a bumpy um, trajectory through to the end of the year because yeah. we're not going to well, get rid of the virus. Up, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, but but they are onto it and that PPE yeah. and that ventilator capacity has been a huge – it's been on their mind since January, February. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, we've also got uh, fast-tracking infrastructure critical to recovery. I mean, one thing that we uh, we love to do in Australia is build stuff to get the economy pumping. And I noticed uh, uh, the Queensland Premier on TV this morning talking about um, the big gas project uh, up north, $10 billion. Is it Adani or one of those? Uh, no, no, Arrow, Arrow Energy, I'm sorry, was pumping $10 billion in. So there is there is uh, some... some uh, some, some good news sort of floating about. Um, so certainly your tradies, I think your tradies will have plenty of work in front of them, uh, Anthony. Oh, look, I'll just move on from that. Um, oh, there it is. Okay, Shell defies downturn with 10 billion arrow gas ahead. So uh, you certainly want to finish your apprenticeship, Anthony, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, this is all good stuff. Everyone tends to get paid. These big government jobs... I never have to do anything on those, sadly, but um, they pay. It, it's money, flows, billions of dollars going through various people's pockets through the economy. This is all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, I, I, I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, I want people to think that when they tune in to us here that uh, we are going to try and uh, uh, the glass is half full as opposed to the glass is half empty because there's, there's plenty of other places uh, for, uh, for for bad news. Okay, well, that's um, that's that's... That's those headlines. I mean, anything else that um, I guess any any questions any any of the panel have got for any other any of the other panelists? 
I was just going to add to Angela's point. I think the other big messaging communication story we're going to see is um, you would have seen this tracking app that the government is going to be encouraging every Australian to download, which essentially shows where you are and who you've been with, which, you know, has got to be the greatest invasion of personal privacy since, I don't know, <laughs> the, the Medicare card probably. Um, I've lost all my mistresses, Adam, overnight. <laughs> it's been, yeah. been really bad. You've had to unfriend all of them. Um, so... So what's what's interesting is the narrative that's going to come out around why we need to do it, how it's going to do, because in as well as getting our PPE and ventilator sort of capacity up, that's cold comfort if, you know, if you're one of the ill, right? I mean, that doesn't make you less ill. It just means there's a chance that you might survive. Um, but that ability to track and trace and very quickly shut down outbreaks is is really, I think, the other half of that conversation and trying to shift culture. You know, if, if to Anthony's point, you've got whole cohorts of people that kind of don't give us stuff and frankly don't understand what the fuss is about because they're all 20 something and, you know, might get them yeah. um, versus, uh, you know, the rest of us. Plus, um, you know, that, that, that whole piece has got to be sold and that's going to be a fascinating sort of case study in how you convince everybody to, play along and and not feel like they're they're getting big brother loaded onto their phones i just it's going to be really interesting but but, but but google and and apple and all those devices they all know where we are now anyway don't they i mean totally and they and, you know, they know exactly what we're talking about you know you only have to yeah. have a conversation at home about kayaks or um life jackets and yeah. then suddenly they're popping up in your in your news feed so well, I mean, I yeah, tell you wanna... my brother, some of the terrible things my brother and I say to each other on WhatsApp. I mean, one day I'm going to make a comment about a politician and, you know, someone's going to kick the door down and, uh, and drag me away, you know. Um, so, look, I think that we're almost, almost there. Um, can can I throw a question at Anthony? Can I? I'm ready. Your, your ears? Um, I, I've heard, as maybe um, the Home Loan Deposit Scheme, First Home Buyers Deposit Scheme, I've heard... Um, suggestions that it's going to be expanded to wider eligibility so any arguably any home buyer as long as they buy a new home a newly built home so it's it's a, a strategy to support yeah. the construction sector have you heard of that it's very self-interest that i ask but no i um i haven't i haven't i think that'd be a conversation between lenders and i suppose you know new people to the to the to the industry, uh, my f side of that issue would be: um, Is there a sudden interest and surge in residential builders building new homes? Haven't haven't heard anything. Haven't heard anything. But I think there is a bigger now. You're finding um, the rise of the multi-home builders, residential builders, not building one home; they're building twenty homes all at the same time. Um, and the people who build eight or ten homes a year, there's probably less, less of them. I'm certainly hearing less of them. Or people who are building half a dozen homes a year, but they're all multi-million dollar piles on the harbour. So, um, no, I, I haven't. It's very curious. That is news to me. Mm, yeah, no, piqued my interest too. <laughs> okay. All right, well, look, uh, I think that uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. So, uh, Anthony, thank you very much. Angela and Adam. Thanks, uh, thanks all for uh, for joining us today, and thank you very much to uh, to our live stream uh, viewers 
and uh, to those of you who are watching uh, watching in catch up. Uh, have a great week next week. Have a great weekend. Cheers to everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. See everyone.